If you're here for the first time, man, we are delighted uh, that God has brought you. And um, you got to come back next week. Um, Jake and I are going to launch a new a teaching series called Leveled Up. Level Up, uh, Becoming God's Best Version of You. You see, Jesus made us each uh, a very personal and profound promise. John 10, 10. Jesus said, I've come that they, you and me, would have life, comma. Do you see that comma in the middle of the sentence? I've come that they may have life, comma, and have it to the full. You see, he takes his responsibility to give us super abundant life. But it's our responsibility to choose which side of the comma we live on. We can live on the just get by side, on the just exist side, on the just survive side, or we can live on the life to the full side. The, the, the Greek word for to the full is parisos, and it means super abundant. Jesus says there is a way, God's best version of you is super abundant hope, super abundant peace, super abundant joy, super abundant life. So we're going to take three weeks. Jake starts next week. I'll do the next two. Three weeks to help you discover God's best version of you. And please, please bring your friends. Uh, they need God's version of them too. Would you pray with me right now? Our Father, please join us. Holy Spirit, you're the best teacher. Please teach us in this moment. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Hey, uh, how many of you are Avengers fans? Oh, lots of you, okay. I mean, when I was a kid back in the 60s, I read the comic books. You guys, you've seen the, the movies in recent years. My grandson, seven years old, he plays the video games. Um, if, if each of you um, were given the chance to become the newest member of the Avengers, what would you say? Okay, now before you answer, if you're clueless about uh, the Avengers, it's like, a group of superheroes, Iron Man, Thor, uh, Captain America, the Hulk, and, and others. And they've been assembled by a guy named Nick Fury, played by Samuel L. Jackson in the movies. But their role is to strike back at the bad guys. If the bad guys hit them, they hit back harder. They get to avenge, thus the name Avengers. So if Nick Fury came up to you and offered that you could be the newest member of the Avengers, what would you say? And you'd be like, oh baby, I got some bad guys in my life I'd like to avenge right now. I'd like to avenge their face. Okay, calm down. If you are a follower of Jesus and Nick Fury approaches you, you have to graciously decline. Here's why. The Word of God says, Romans 12, 20, beloved, that's you, you're the beloved, the deeply loved, the highly favored of God, beloved, never avenge yourselves. And you're like, why not? I want to do payback. They hurt me. I want to hurt them. Okay, okay, okay. Let's start with that first word, beloved. In the Greek, it's agapetos. And it means deeply loved, and highly favored by God. And that's you. In fact, as soon as you were baptized, when you surrendered your life to Jesus, you gave up all rights to pay back. 
You gave up all rights to hurt anybody who hurts you. They say the bad words, you keep your mouth shut. They do the bad, hurtful thing, they betray you. You show forgiveness and love and mercy. When you gave your life to Jesus, you gave up all rights to avenge. Beloved, because you are deeply loved by God, because you are highly favored with God, let's start there with that sure knowledge, knowing that even if they're mean to you, you're still deeply loved by God. Even if they're unkind to you, you are still highly favored by God. Now, I, I get the best meaning out of that little phrase, never avenge yourself. That's verse 20, but I read it in light of verse one in chapter 12. We've been going through chapter 12. Maybe you don't remember verse one. Let me put verse one and verse 20 together for you. It would read like this. Therefore, I urge you, beloved, you the highly favored, you the deeply loved by God, in view of God's mercy toward you. Yeah, it's real. The hurt you feel when people criticize you harshly, launch personal attacks against you, betray you. Yeah, it's real. But you have attacked God. Every time you sin, it's an attack on his holiness. You have betrayed God by your sin. You have been unkind to God by your sin. Every sin, and the Bible says you sin more than the numbers of hair on your head. And I see that some of you men are pretty perfect. No, can you imagine more sin in your life and every sin grieves the heart of God and every single time he shows you mercy, every time, without fail. He shows you unconditional love, every time, every time. No matter what the sin, no matter how grievous, he forgives, he draws you in. He doesn't turn away, he doesn't back away. He embraces you and kisses you on the neck with his love. In view of God's mercies to you in the face of all your sin. Could I have the text again, please? Go back for me. Therefore, I urge you, beloved, highly favored, deeply loved by God, in view of how merciful God has been to you every time you sin, as a result, never avenge yourselves. God doesn't repay you for your sin. God doesn't treat you as your sins deserve. But as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is God's love for those who fear him. And as far as east is from west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who love him. You've just gotten mercy, 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 mercy. So, when someone hurts you with their words or their behavior or their Facebook post, when you are hurt, focus on the mercies of God. How merciful he has been to you, man. Just to be real, this is so hard for me. Um, I, I will admit uh, that when I am hurt by people, I have a hard time getting over it. And um, I've been the pastor here for 41 years, but over the last three, when the pandemic hit, oh my gosh, I have never been so harshly criticized. The personal attacks that were launched against me and our church, uh, man, 
It hurt the, the, the betrayal. And th- this is by people that I love that were close to me. I, I've been criticized by people close to me. I mean, if it's somebody you don't know, you can just blow it off. But when it's somebody close to you that's launching the personal attack or the bitter betrayal has come by from someone close to you, I have a hard time shaking it. It just lives in my soul. And my personality is such is that when people, I'm standing in the face of all their harsh criticism or I'm reading another flaming, fiery um, email of criticism, um, my personality is such that I, I don't respond. One, I, I, I don't want to try to defend myself or attack back. I may ask some questions, um, but I try not to. Sometimes I just don't say anything. I just, I just take it. But then I go home and kick the dog and chase my wife around the house, which is really kind of fun, um, but serious. When, when I'm home, I'll catch myself, do, maybe I'm ironing a shirt, just mindless activity, and I'm having an imaginary argument with that person in my mind, and I win all my imaginary arguments. They said something bad to me. So they are a bad person. Not only do I have an imaginary argument with them as I defend myself, I have imaginary conversations with people that know them and tell them how unfairly I've been treated, how how bitter was the betrayal, how unjust, how much it hurts, how, how it just was not right. Isn't that weird? I would think so, except I know you do the same thing. In fact, Friday I was uh, mowing the grass, mindless activity, and I was praying by name for people who have hurt me. I mean, that's how I just kind of try to get over it. I call out their name before God, and I would find myself in the middle of my prayer. The prayer would like be put on the side, and I would start thinking, that was not fair, that was not right. How dare they? And I was like, what are you doing, Clark? And I would begin to call down God's goodness. Again, what happens whether I'm ironing a shirt or driving the lawn tractor and I begin to have these imaginary arguments? I have to, I have to stop it. In fact, I say to myself, stop it. I kind of scare myself. <laughs> In fact, this is just some free therapy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna help you. And you can thank me later. Um, I know that you've been unfairly, you've unfairly suffered personal attack. And there are people in your life close to you, but they have harshly criticized you. You have been bitterly betrayed and it hurts and you carry the hurt. And just like me, you have those imaginary conversations in your mind. But here's what I found. The longer I I put up with those imaginary arguments in my mind, the hurt goes deeper. And the hurt lasts as long as I continue to have the imaginary arguments. It leaves no place for peace and joy. And friends, I want a life of peace and joy. So I want to stop it. Okay, so I'm gonna, let's go back to stop it. I'll, I'll say it, you say it after me, and um, we're going to get to a better place. Are you ready? Stop it! Stop it. 
I'm talking about, stop it. Stop it. One more time, stop it. Stop it. Yeah, that's what we got to do. Because we have these imaginary arguments when we're hurt. Oh, please, don't post them on Facebook. Serious. I mean, it's one thing for them to be in your head. But as soon as they go on social media, I mean, it's one thing to think it. It's another thing to act on it. That's worse. If we can stop the thought, then we won't say the words. Then we won't make the ugly, angry post. Then the, you know, then the swear words won't fly out of our mouths. We got to stop it. Stop and focus on the mercies. I'm driving my lawn tractor and my lawn tractor is loud. So I'm just saying people's names out loud and the neighbors are taking notes. <laughs> but I'm calling down the goodness of God on the people who have criticized me or launched personal attacks against me um, or who have betrayed me. And I just, God, be good to them. God, bless them. God, help them. God, heal them. And you know, it's weird because Paul writes those three words, never avenge yourselves. But before he writes those three words, he spends 11 chapters in Romans writing out all the mercies of God for our lives. I just want to give you a whirlwind tour through those first 11 chapters and all God's mercy towards you because it's as we focus on God, how merciful God has been to us, then we can extend mercy to those who've hurt us because as we've been hurt, so we have hurt God. But he has been merciful so that we would extend mercy. Here's the first mercy in Romans. This is chapters one through three. We can bring our sinful messes to Jesus. And sometimes we get all excited about that. We think, oh good, he'll cleanse me of all guilt and shame. He'll forgive all my sin if I just bring my sinful mess to him. But, but, but here's the deal. My sinful mess has wrecked his heart has grieved him. He is hurt. I have rejected God and deserted God. I have disobeyed God and so have you. And so though he does take my sinful mess, it is deeply hurtful to Jesus as he receives it. We're left cleansed. We're left forgiven. We're left free. But he bears the hurt of our sin. Scripture says he was made literally to be our sin that we could get back in right relationship with God. Here's the next mercy. This is Romans 4. Jesus cleans up our sinful mess and gives us joy. He cleanses us of guilt and shame, fully forgives us, and though we have deserted him, though we have rejected him, though we have lodged personal attacks against him by trespassing on his holiness, he gives us joy. As I'm riding the lawn tractor and I'm thinking about this and I'm praying for the people who have betrayed me and criticized me, I realize, I know that scripture, I've got to be a source, I've got to become a source of joy to those people's lives. Just as Jesus has shown me mercy and been joy to me, given me joy, I've got to give joy to them. If I want to keep my joy, I've got to give it away. Here's mercy number three. The more we trust Jesus, the more peace he gives, the more, whether I'm ironing a shirt or on the lawn tractor or sweeping the floors, I give those folks that have hurt me as I give them to him, remembering how merciful he's been to me. I just put, him, put them in his care. I get peace. 
I want the joy. I want the peace. So I've got to stop the imaginary arguments in my mind. Stop it. Because I want to be filled up with peace and joy. Here's the next mercy. This is from Romans 6 through 8. Jesus gives us victory over all of life's hurts. The hurt you feel when you are criticized, that's real. When you are bitterly betrayed, that's a real hurt. When you uh, suffer personal attack, that's a real hurt. But Jesus is right there by you to give you victory. I mean, hurting people hurt people. So they, they need his healing as much as you need his healing. And he is available to you 24-7 to heal you of any hurt you suffer. So you tell yourself, oh man, that hurt my feelings, but I don't have to be hurt any longer than I want to because Jesus can heal my hurt right now. Lord Jesus, by your wounds I am healed, so please apply your nail-pierced hands to my heart and to my mind. Heal my hurt. Now you're ready to go on. Now you're putting that behind you. Man, I've got to learn that lesson. I'm trying to live that lesson. I want you to live it with me. Here's the final mercy out of the first 11 chapters. The Lord keeps all his promises forever. And so, his promise to me is that he works everything together for the good. My story does not end with a series of flaming emails. My God works everything together for the good. My story does not end with a personal betrayal, no matter how bitter. My God makes everything beautiful in its time. No matter how hurt I feel, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. We find, you know, you don't post it on Facebook, you put your face in the book and you claim the promises of God. So we focus on God's mercies and we let God be God. Let him handle it. Let him deal with it. Let him have it. And let's have joy and peace. Look at the text again. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for God. Let's just be gut level real. I'm not good at anger. And you're not good at anger. Our anger makes things worse. Anger is the great destroyer of relationships. It's a great destroyer of marriage. It's the great destroyer in parenting. It's a great destroyer in... Anger makes things worse. Only God, this is why we let God be God, because only God does anger well. He pours out his anger, and Jesus steps between the one deserving the anger and all the wrath of God. All the anger of God falls on Jesus and all the healing of Jesus falls on the one deserving the anger. You see, I didn't give you the whole text because I was afraid you would jump to immediate conclusion. Here's a full text. But leave room for God's anger. And you're like, oh yeah, baby, come on, God. Show them your anger. Set their hair on fire, Jesus. Burn their food. Give them flat tires. Make their car break down. Cause them to lose their job. Make them a bear fan. <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, we won. We won yesterday. Um, God, God is the only one who is able to speak the right word to the right person at the right time in the right tone to bring about healing. So we let God do the anger. We're not good at anger. 
You're not good at anger. I'm not good at anger. Our anger makes things worse. The longer we hold on to the imaginary conversation, the more angry and anxious, it builds anxiety and anger within us. We lose our peace and joy. So we stop it. We focus on the mercies of God and we let God be God, leaving room for God's. I love the way the message version, the paraphrase of the Bible puts it. It says this, I'll do the judging, says God. That's what he says to me. Because while I'm on the lawn tractor thinking of how I've been hurt, how I've been betrayed, how I've been criticized, how a personal attack has been launched against me. When I think that person, that was a bad thing to say, that was a bad thing to do, I think that's a bad person. I judge that person. And God says, that's not your place, David. Because you know what, David? If you judge them, I'll judge you and I see all your sin. God says, let me do the judging. I'll do the judging. I'll take care of it. On the contrary, David, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give him drink. You, you see the person who launches that attack, who it, it betrays you bitterly and who, who criticizes you harshly. That they become your enemy. That's how you see them. If you're pushing your card in Walmart and you see them coming out, you just wheel around and go the other way. Even though you were looking for lucky charms, you get out of that aisle. You give them the cold shoulder. You give them the silent treatment. They're your enemy. Um, You make them your enemy. But when, here's, here's my suggestion. If your enemy is hungry, feed them. If your enemy is thirsty, give them to drink. In other words, when you are treated unkindly, when you are unfairly attacked, when you are criticized harshly, buy that person a Starbucks gift card. Boy, the church got real quiet. Here's how the text goes on. Why would I buy a Starbucks gift card for someone who has been so hurtful to me? The Bible says this. In so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. And you're like, now this is more like it. I'm gonna set their hair on fire. Give me the charcoal lighter. Give me some matches. Their hair will look better when I get in with them than it does right now. Let me show you. That text does not mean taking vengeance. Whoa, baby. Okay. In the day of Jesus and Paul, every home had one of these. They called it a brazier and it was kept burning full of charcoal, full of charcoal. And the charcoal red hot kept burning 24 seven. They would use it. It would warm their home when necessary. It would heat their meals for cooking. It would boil water uh, so they could wash their clothes or take a bath or wash their dishes. This was the most essential piece of furniture in their, their home. They kept the brazier burning 24-7. Never wanted it to go out because of it went out. And someone had full responsibility to keep the brazier burning. They had to keep a regular period adding fresh coal so that they always had a good fire. 
And if dad was off fishing and it was his responsibility and he'd forgotten, he neglected, and the fire went out, oh man, his wife was mad at, how am I gonna cook supper? We're gonna have bologna again? Unless they were rich and then they would be, it would be spam. The kids would be mad. You know, how am I gonna take, a, I got a date tonight, how am I gonna take a bath? This house is freezing. But if the fire went out, if someone neglected their responsibility and the fire went out, they would get a pan and go over to the neighbors and ask for one call. I'm sorry, I let the fire go out in our home and if you could just give me, but even one call. Man, one coal, it's going to take a long time to boil water. It's going to take a long time to heat up the house. It's going to take a long, with just one coal, it's going to take a long uh, time to get a full fire to cook a meal. But, 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 but if you could give me just one coal. Now, in this story presented by Paul, this is like keeping coals of fire on their head. You see, when they got that one coal, they carried it home like this on their heads. They would carry the one coal home on their heads. Now in this story, this idiom that he is using, the person asking for the one coal of fire, the person is your enemy. They're standing on your doorstep, pan in hand, asking for one coal is the person who has harshly criticized you to your face and behind your back and on Facebook. Is the person who has betrayed you It's your enemy. It's not your fault they ran out of fire. It's not your fault bad stuff's happening to them, but it's your enemy, the one who hurt you deeply, who's asking for one call. So you see what the apostle Paul says? If they have a need, if they're hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them the drink, anything they need, but you don't just give one call. See if I can do this. You dump out the whole brazier. You give them a whole fire. You give them an abundance of mercy as you've received an abundance of mercy from God. You give them an abundance, an oversupply of forgiveness as you've received an oversupply of forgiveness from God. Feed them. Help them. Pray for them. Serve them. As God has helped you. As Jesus has prayed for you. As Jesus has forgiven you. Send them home with everything they need to put the joy in their life. That's how you get joy. You treat your enemies that way because you've been an enemy of God. And here's how he treated you. Romans chapter five. When we were utterly helpless, didn't have a, our fire's gone out, utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. We're enemies of God. We've betrayed God with our sin. We, we've criticized and attacked God with our sin. But God has shown us how much he loved us 
It was while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. By his blood, we are now put right with God. How much more then will we be saved by Christ from God's anger? We were God's enemies, but he made us his friends through the death of his son. You see how much it cost God to show you mercy for every time you betrayed him? You see how much it cost God to show me mercy for every time I rejected and deserted him? For every time we launched an attack on his holiness? For every time we harshly were critics of God or his word or his person? See how much it cost him to show us mercy? It cost him the life. It cost him the death of his one and only son, Jesus. And God raised Jesus from the dead so I can be as merciful to others as he's been merciful. Oh, I need help. You need help. I'd like to pray with you for that help right now. If you'd stand with me. We're not gonna close with music today. We're gonna close with prayer. I'm gonna pray over you. And um, after my prayer, is over. If you would like personal prayer, uh, I'll be down front to pray with you over any hurt. Uh, I'm not here. I'll just be straight with you. I'm not here to listen to how unfairly you've been treated. I'm here to help you get to healing. The focus is not on how you've been treated. The, the focus is on the healing of Jesus. If you want that, I'm here to help you. But let's pray together now. Would you bow with me, please? Father God, Right now in this place, Holy Spirit, you're the best counselor. Would you counsel every heart as you try to counsel me? Holy Spirit, there ain't no way I'm going to get free of this garbage without your help. There ain't no way my friends and church family are going to get free of this hurt without your help. We want to get to healing. We want to get to joy and peace. We want to, we want to be done with that. We want to let God just deal with that stuff. Lord Jesus, by your wounds we are healed, so would you please apply your nail-pierced hands to our hearts and minds, Lord Jesus. You've been merciful to us. You've been unconditionally accepting. In the face of all our wickedness, you have loved us. And we accept your love. Now please help us to show love to those who have been hurtful to us. We are no longer your enemies, Lord. You have made us your friends by your shed blood and your victory over death. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wire podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.